and as much anger as I've, and I've had like some hateful moments, but I never remember a moment of that much angst and pain. Flash forward, now we're in that Sunday school class. You could see my dilemma. Well, in the moment of that dilemma, I made a decision because she convinced me that I was unpardonable. Have you ever made that decision? That you were unforgivable, that you were damaged goods, that nothing God could do could ever forgive the incredible guilt and the incredible shame that you bestowed upon you. No, no, no. It was something that was done to you when you were a little person. And you go, no, 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 this is the shame that's going to define me. Or maybe it was a lifestyle. No, 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 this is the name that's going to define me. That you are damaged, broken. You are determined to be separated from God forever. In fact, some of you have just recently come back to God with the hope that maybe he'll have a relationship with you, but you don't have much hope because you figure that you got to get good before you get God. And so I was there, and I remember in my mind determining in my little head, I said, well, if God, you don't want to have anything to do with me, and I'm going to go to hell, then I'm going to go to hell on a greased pole. Like, I'm going like, to go all out. And I was pretty determined, and I did all right. At 11, I was smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol, 11. That's like right out of the sixth grade, elementary. By the time I'm 12, I'm smoking weed. By the time I'm 13, I'm doing coke. I literally did breaking and enterings and was in stolen cars before my 15th birthday. Crazy, right? But I was determined to do Because if God wanted nothing to do with me, then I wanted nothing to do with God. Because here's the deal. What you think about God matters. How you view God changes how you behave. Your belief really does determine your behavior. And so I believe that because I was unforgivable, I was unpardonable, I was damaged goods, that I might as well live the way I wanted to. And it was all because of a misunderstanding of these three verses. But I wonder if I'm not the only one. Maybe for you, it wasn't a misunderstanding. You just took it in with mother's milk. You know, mom said that you were going to get punished by God, and she said it so much that you just believed that that was your identity. And maybe some of you here have thought that there's no way that a good God could ever, maybe he could forgive you, but he could never really be intimate with you. He could never love you. He could never lead and guide you in ways that you need. I don't know what your story is, but we all need to be reminded about who God is and what he's done for us. So we're going to read these three verses, 30, 31, and 32. And we're going to ask God to give us clarity on this very issue. I want you to go ahead and stand with me. We stand at the reading of God's word because God is awesome. God is powerful. God is authoritative. And so we read his word standing up because we want to be reminded, oh yeah, God is incredible. So we'll read this together. It's three verses. We can do it together. You have it in your bulletins uh, if you want to read it from there. 
or if you're like me and over 40, we have it on the big font on the, uh, on the projection. So let's read it together. On the count of three. One, two, three. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. This is God's Word. Let's pray. We need, we need God's... Um, spirit to understand this. Father, as we come to this hard saying of Jesus and we come to this truth, would you help us to understand what we're reading and would you help it to to grow our capacity to know you and love you? For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So whoever is not with me is against me. Let me give you some context of what's happening. Jesus is doing his ministry. He is going around all of Galilee and he is performing miracles and teaching and doing signs and wonders. It's incredible. Jesus then goes, uh, uh, there's a, a, a blind and a mute that's brought to him. So the guy can't see and he can't talk. Jesus sees him and he heals him. Nobody denies that Jesus healed him. Nobody denies that the guy was blind and mute. Nobody is coming against Jesus and saying, you didn't really do that, or that was some parlor trick. What they're trying to say, the Pharisees do, is that they say, oh, we know how you did that. You do that because you, you did it as, a, as a, a child or a byproduct of Satan's power. So the work that the Spirit of God was doing through Jesus, they were saying, that's not of God, that's of the devil. Jesus, it's like, it, Jesus is like, um, say what? It's like a real moment where Jesus stops and actually addresses his accusers. And it feels like a very intense moment. He goes back to them and he says, and he starts explaining to them how, he, number one, he, he comes against their logic. He goes, well, let me ask you something. If the way I'm healing people is through the power of God, how are your healers doing it? Because they had some success with healing people. And so he was like, well, what? so he's bringing it back. And then he, he actually goes on to explain how silly their argument is because they're saying that you're, you're saying that I'm using Satan to cast out Satan. In other words, Satan, everybody believed in that moment, was the one who caused the blindness and the muteness, right? And so he's the one. So you're saying that Satan is fighting against Satan, and then we get this wonderful, incredible, quotable thing that, um, that Lincoln quoted, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And Jesus says, this is a preposterous um, conclusion that you've come up to. And then, as he explains this, he gives more um, illustrations and parables, and he explains, and he goes, he, he goes, 
every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can this kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. As Jesus says this, he then goes into, there's something that you're doing in this accusation that is unforgivable. And he's going to start speaking about that thing. And this is important to us because if you're in Christ, you want to know. You want, like, nobody wants to go over the line. Like, everybody, everybody that I've ever counseled, when I'm, when I'm counseling young people, they always ask where the line is. When I'm counseling old people, you know, what's illegal? What's really illegal? So, like, right, if you're young and you're 15 or 16, and I'm counseling you, and I go, hey, no sex before marriage, you go, what's sex? Define sex. And the way I always define sex is anything that you can't do in front of me. That's the way I always define sex. Anything that you can't do in front of me, we're going to call sex. All right? Hold hands. Hey, that's not sex. Something else, maybe so. But everybody wants to know how far they can go to the line. Well, we, what we want to do is we want to stay as far from this sin as humanly possible. So Jesus goes. Now, the, the thing about this text, of course, is that it's, it really is a complex text. And I am kind of arrogant for thinking that I could explain this to you or even understand it at all. But I'm going to do my best. And in this text, we see in verse 29, or again, Jesus says, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, the way, the only way I could do this against Satan's kingdom is if I'm more powerful than Satan, if I'm stronger than him. In other words, I come into Satan's house. I tie him, tie him and bind him up. I am, Satan has no chance against me. Then he goes on to our text that we're looking at today. He says, whoever's not with me is against me. Remember, he's going back to the, what the Pharisees were saying. Oh, you're doing this from the power of Satan. He goes, whoever's not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now, this is a little bit profound because he's saying something really powerful. He's saying, hey, listen, guys, if you're not working towards the inevitable kingdom of God, then you're working against me. Think about that for a second. In other words, if you're not doing, not that you're doing bad stuff, but if you're not working towards the kingdom of God, if you're not asking people to come to Christ, if you're not serving people from a humble position, if you're not surrendering your life to Christ in obedience and pursuing, if you're if you're not gathering, you're actively working against Jesus. That's an incredible statement to say. Then he goes on to say, and so I tell you. So he goes, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you. Now, when Jesus says, and so I tell you, he's trying to give us, he's trying to alert us that, yo, listen up. 
I'll occasionally, when I'm, when I'm talking to you in this setting, I'll go, listen, come close, come close, listen, listen. You ever heard me or seen me do that? A few times. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say, hey, listen, what I'm about to say next is really important. I want you to, I want you to lean in and listen to what I'm about to say. That's what Jesus is doing here in this text. He's going, and so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. Pause. You didn't even hear that when we read it the first time, did you? It's not, because the, the, the next statement is so jarring, you go, oh my gosh. And so here's the first point that Jesus wants to know. With Jesus, all sin can be forgiven. With Jesus, all can be forgiven. Now that's good news for us, because we're the all kind of sin people, aren't we? We desperately need Jesus. You know the sin that you can't forgive yourself for? Doesn't matter. Jesus can forgive you for it. You know the sin that's oppressed you and weighed you down, and you think that if you ever tell anybody, the shame will just eat you alive? Jesus can forgive. All manner of sin can be forgiven. Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. There is no pit so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. This is important. This is important for us. It's important for us because you can be free. You can walk in the joy and the freedom of Christ. You sit here, and maybe some of you are sitting here and go, well, I don't really need that much forgiveness. I'm not like a spectacular sinner like the rest of the people in this room. I am a, I am a below average sinner. I am not that bad. I am somewhat educated. I have a career. I'm a good person. I pay my taxes. I've never murdered anyone. That's always the one that I always love. I go, really? We have to go that far before we're considered a sinner? you got to kill somebody? And so, but here's a, listen to me. Not even your sin, and I can make an argument. I'll do that argument in a second, but the, the most difficult sin to forgive, and Jesus is pointing it out here, is those of you who don't think you need to be forgiven. And we're going to get to that in a second, but let me just speak to those of you who have a heavy heart. You've done things that have got you jail time. You've done things that if others knew would get you jail time. You've done things that you feel ashamed about that nobody else knows. I had an unpardonable sin. You know, the thing that I never thought that God could forgive me. It's interesting because I've physically assaulted people. I knew God could forgive me for that. I've done horrible things. Like I could just confess some of them to you. I've stolen people's property. I've done breaking and enterings. I've stolen from my mother. It's awful, the things that I've done. All sin with Jesus can be forgiven. There's nothing, even your sin, even the sin that you think can't be forgiven. With Jesus, there's forgiveness, and that's powerful. But and then Jesus goes on to make a second point, and he's just going to reinforce these two. Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. If the first point is that all sin can be forgiven with Jesus, the second point is this. No sin 
can be forgiven without Jesus. Without Jesus, nothing can be forgiven. If everything can be forgiven with Jesus, you need to know, nothing can be forgiven without Jesus. Now let me go back to those of you who are sitting here who are below average sinners who think that, listen to me, this, there are those of us here who are like, like we're in the Hell's Angels Club, right? We've, you know, like, and that, that has like a, you get what I'm saying as soon as I say that, right? Like we've just gone the wrong direction. We've done whatever we wanted, and that's how we've rebelled against God. And there's others of us who have rebelled against God by being nice, by being kind. You see, our defense against God is, I'll have nothing to do with you. I'm going to live, you know, the life that I want to live. I'm going to reject you at every point. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm gonna, my lifestyle, my Everything that I do is going to be bent towards me and not towards you. And it's obvious to everybody. It's obvious to everybody. Everybody goes, wow, there's a guy that needs Jesus. But and then there are some of us that are here that the way you rebel against God, the way you say, God, I don't need you, is because you look at your own good. Look, I'm not so bad. And you go back to that. I pay my taxes. I don't murder anybody. I don't. You see, your argument is... I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. Jesus is for that half of the room, right? It's not for my half of the room. Listen to me. Nothing can be forgiven without Jesus. And so you say, you sit there and you go, what, well, what are you saying? What I'm saying is, is that there's a way to run away from God by looking good in everybody else's eyes that leaves you damnable for life, leaves you damnable for eternity. Well, how do you know? How do you know? Well, let me just push this issue a little bit further before I tell you how do you know. If you're here, if you're here, there's a danger in you. You're a good person. You, you serve at our food pantry and soup kitchen. You give out clothes when we give out clothes in our clothing ministry. You help the guys who are homeless, who are staying here, and you serve them. And you go, you know what? I'm a good girl. I'm a good guy. And you know why you say you're a good girl or a good guy? You point back to look at the good that I'm doing. You know what? I haven't used in 3,628 days, 45 minutes, and 13 seconds at the sound of the beep. Beep. You get your righteousness from yourself. You know what that's called? Self-righteousness. It's the very definition of it. Jesus is saying, listen to me, everything can be forgiven if you come to me for forgiveness. If you recognize that God can, in fact, forgive you through his power, through what I'm doing, everything can be forgiven. And you good people who go, nah, Jesus, that, I don't really need God's work. He's saying, yeah, nothing can be forgiven for you. He goes on. He goes, 
but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word, he kind of, he's reinforcing it. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. In other words, it's very final. So you go, well, what is it? What is, what's the blaspheming against the Holy Spirit? To blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and this is our big idea for today, Let's put it up on the screen. I want you to, let's read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The one sin that cannot be forgiven is not coming to Christ for forgiveness. That's the one sin that can't be forgiven. Again, what you're doing is you're looking at Christ and you're doing what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees saw the miracle work in Christ. And in this church, you cannot deny it. You cannot deny it in this community. In this community, people are coming in off the street who are strung out on heroin, who are getting clean, coming to, who are coming to Christ, getting clean. Lives are being transformed. You cannot deny the work of God here. And you see that and you go, that's fine, not for me. You go, oh, isn't that wonderful? But I don't need that. You guys are extreme. That's not for me. You're, you're the good person. You've been coming around for years. Maybe you're a, you're a, like, you know, your parents dragged you here. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus is incredible for everybody else. But me, I don't need Jesus. You know what it is? It's going and seeing God's work in your life, all your life, and deny Jesus for all that life. Going, this is awesome. So, I mean, I can't tell you how many people, how many people I've talked to. Like, it's unmistakable. It's miraculous. God is trying to get their attention. And I'm telling you, it's crazy. It'll be like, you know, they'll be like, God, if you're really there, um, you know, they'll be on a bus. And they go, God, if you're really there, let someone come and talk to me about you. And then someone will come and sit down next to that person and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And then they'll go, hold on one second. God, if you're really there, let this bus break down as they're talking to me so that we can have more time uh, to hear about you. And then, like, all of a sudden, the bus driver goes to a red light and the, the bus breaks down. And it's like, holy cow. And it's like, hey, one second. Hey, God, if you're really there, while this bus is broken down and this guy is talking to me about Jesus, put the bus driver's hair on fire. Oh, it didn't happen, you see? Not God. It's like preposterous. I remember watching the Homer, um, uh, um, uh, Homer Simpson, or the Simpsons, and he goes like this. He goes like this. He goes, um, God, uh, something like... Uh, God, if, uh, if you don't want me to drink this beer, uh, turn off this light, <laughs> or something like that. It's like, dude, God didn't want you to drink that beer for sure. But here's the thing. We see God's work in our lives, and we deny its efficacy. And so because we are not for him, and we do that for life, the one sin that you cannot be forgiven for is not asking for Forgiveness. It's saying that you don't need the forgiveness that Christ bestows upon you. It's the one sin that can't be forgiven. So, my, it's, we, we should apply this, right? 
Guys, run to Christ. Like, run to Jesus. If you're young, run to Jesus. If you think you got it all together, run to Jesus. If you're not sure, run to Jesus. Jesus is calling upon you. And there's a bunch of us who just go, yeah, yeah, Jesus is cool. Jesus is like a homeboy. Jesus is all right. But no, no, I'm not going to receive him. I'm not going to let him be Lord and leader of my life. You are in risk of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. There's another bunch of you who you just, you know what? You, you know, you, you tell, you know what? You are going to receive Christ. You know when you're going to receive Christ? Listen, it's going to be, it's awesome. You're going to receive Christ tomorrow. Tomorrow is when you'll receive Christ. Like you've been seeing God stir your affections. God has been drawing you. Maybe you've just recently been invited and then God keeps on bringing you people who draw you to himself and he's going and you go, "You know what? This is important. I'm going to do this mm, right here. Woo. Tomorrow. <laughs> Next year when I when I get past high school, when I finish college, after I have my first kid, when I, it's always sometime in the future. Stop it. Come to Christ. You're at risk of committing the unpardonable sin. Don't do that. Don't, why would you do that? Don't do that. It's, it's like this. All right, um, let's get three ladies. One, two, three. Three of you guys, come up. The three of you guys, come up. All right. All right, so it's like this. Imagine if I was trying to think about how I can illustrate this, right? So imagine you're dying of thirst. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So imagine you're dying of thirst. Stay right here. Perfect. Imagine you're dying of thirst. You're like, you haven't drunk water in like three days. And I got, I got the water. I got the water. And so I'm going, I come up to you and I go, and you know me, and I go, Margarita, you're dying of thirst. I want to help you. I have this amazing thing that will quench you and give you life. Please take this. And Margarita goes, you know what? I like you, Ed. You've always been nice to me. And I love um, some of the things that you say. But you know what? I don't want your water. I don't want your water. Your water, listen to me. I so appreciate, but you know what? I have this pain in my throat, and I'm afraid if I drink, it might cause more pain in my throat. I don't want your water. No, Margarita, please take the water. No, 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 no. Thanks for the kind offer, but no thanks. And then there's another group of people. And there, I go, Evelyn, have the water. I have the water for you. And these people go, you know what, Edwin? You've always had it in for me. Here I am on the last hour of my life. 
and you want to make my life even more painful by giving me that water. You know how you my, my lips are split. You know how dry I feel. You know if I put that water in me, what it'll do to me. You are just, you just got it in out for me. I don't want your water. Get you and your water out of here. I'm going, no, no, no. Heavenly, please take the water. Take the water. Nah, 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 nah. It's too much. What, you're saying that I won't live after an hour if I don't take your water? Yeah, 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 that's exactly what I'm saying. This is the only option. Please, it's for life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget you. Okay. Then there's a third kind of person. This is the third kind of person. The third kind of person, I go, Maria. Maria, here's the water. You're going to die. She goes, I know, but it'll hurt my throat, and it'll, I go, take the water. She goes, you know what? I don't know if this is going to help me live or not. I don't know if this is going to solve my pain issue. I don't know if this is going to give me the things that I desire, but I believe you. And so she takes the water. Nobody else has had this water. Have some water. Fulfill the illustration. There you go. Right. Now watch this. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. These are the people who are blaspheming the Holy Spirit. These are the people who are saying, no, 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 I love what you're saying. Oh, this is so good. Oh, my gosh. When Shelly sings, right there. I feel it right there. These are the people. Well, no, this person won't be saying that. This person will be saying that, right? She'll go, oh my gosh, that moves me so deeply. Oh, I love the love that you have at the Recovery House of Worship. I love it. It's so beautiful. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. When I get out of my 20s, I'm totally going to come to Jesus. That's, that's this world. And you're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. You're not asking. The one thing you can't be forgiven for is not asking for forgiveness. And then this one, she'll never show up. This group of people, rather, they'll never show up to church. They'll never have a spiritual conversation. They'll say, no, 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 no. I don't want to have anything to do with God. I know better. I don't need God. Okay. Only those who take, receive, who take in what God is saying, where he's the Lord of your life and the king of your destiny. Only those people have what Jesus calls life. Be that person. Be that person. Receive Christ. Thanks, ladies. You guys are awesome. Give me back my water. Okay. So, what can I tell you? What can I (laughs) tell Yeah. What can I tell you? So, do you understand the illustration? Jesus comes to you offering life. The only life that's available to you. To deny him forever is the only way not to get his forgiveness. Don't deny him. Don't say that you're... Listen, don't point to your good works. Don't point to your... Don't go to Jesus and say, what you have, I don't need. Or worse, what you have would be bad for me. Don't do that. So, we're going to have communion. 
And as we partake in communion and as the musicians come up, you have an opportunity to receive Christ. And here's, here it is. For those of you who don't know Jesus, it's as, it's as simple, knowing Christ is as simple as ABC. You might hear me have said, if you've come for a while, you've heard me say this over and over again. Coming to Christ is as easy as ABC. A is admit or agree. Admit, agree with God that you are who he says you are. And this is what he says about you, that you are dead in your trespasses, filled with sin, and desperately need a savior. You don't try to make excuses for the things that you've done wrong. You just accept responsibility without anger, without excuse, without alibi. You just go, God, what you say about me is true. I am a sinner and I desperately need saving. You just agree with God and admit that you're a sinner. That's A. B is believe. Believe that what Jesus has done on the cross is enough. That all of your sin piled on Jesus is the reason why he went to the cross. Think about that. If you could raise people from the dead, taking nails out of your hands miraculously is no big deal. What kept Jesus on the cross? His love for you. He says, why would you take this? Listen, he made this blind man to see, this mute man to speak. That's nothing in comparison to his death for you on the cross. Beloved, don't say no to that. Believe that Jesus' sacrifice was for you. But you don't understand, Edwin. I'm still a mess. I'm going to wait till I get good. I'm going to wait till I stop drinking. I'm going to wait till I stop smoking. I'm going to wait till I stop living with that girl or doing that thing. I'm going to wait till I get my life back together. I mean, I believe, but I, you know. No, don't do that. Take it in. Take it in. Take it in. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. A, B, C. A, admit. B, believe. C, Commit your body to Jesus. Let him be the king and lord of your life. Let him be, the way we say it here is, let him be the boss of your body. You go, but I have like authority issues. I don't like anybody to be the boss. That's exactly why you need him to be the boss of your body. Let him be, commit your body to him. Beloved, don't wait. You can come to Christ even as I'm speaking. You can come to Christ right now, this moment, just by admitting to God your sin. And for you, it might be, you might have some very specific sins that you want to confess. Cool. Confess them. Say that Tuesday night. There's no excuse for that. Or that thing that was done to me that I still feel shame about. Just share it with him. So you could do that as I'm speaking to you now. But for those of you who are in Christ, and I want you to just be praying for those, because I'm going to ask you to come to Christ in about two minutes.
but I want to explain maybe three. I'm going to explain the, uh, the communion table. It's only for believers. It's for those who have taken his satisfying, satiating, life-giving water, the sacrifice that he's made for us. It's only for those. If you're still on the fence about that, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. We're so grateful. But this part, you could just observe. You don't have to participate in. You can just observe and ask God to give you a heart that takes him in, that no longer just thinks that Jesus is a really good idea or a good person, but that he's actually who he said he was, the savior of your soul. So the reason that we take communion this way is because Christ at the Last Supper, he said, this bread, he was at a meal, and he was trying to give his followers a way to remember him and all that he's done. And he was at a very, very, very symbolic meal, and uh, he gave it new meaning. He was at the Passover meal, and so he gave it new meaning. And he goes, see this bread? This bread is my body, broken for you. So he takes the bread, and he breaks it. He says, it's my body, broken for you. Do this, remembering that my body was broken for you. Take it personal. That's what your sin, that's what your sin requires for Christ to give himself. Then, at that same meal, towards the end of the meal, he took a drink, looked an awful lot like this. He said, this is my blood. Given are spilt for you, shed for you. Do this, remembering what I've done. Now, I want you to know that at the Recovery House of Worship, the, the drink that we have here is non-alcoholic. We recognize that there's a lot of us here who should not ever take any more alcohol into our system. And so there's no alcohol in that drink. But what I do want to say is that the price that was paid for your sin was huge. Don't deny that. Don't be like the Pharisees who says, that's not true. That's not of God. That's not for me. Don't do that. Receive it. And so what's going to happen is, George, come. Shelly, come. You're going to come down and you're going to take a piece of the bread. You're going to take a piece of the bread and you're going to dip it into the drink and then you'll take it. They're going to share some words with you that are affirming about what Christ has done for you. But before we do this together, there's a confession. We want to take some time in confession. We want to talk to Jesus about our own sin. And so Evelyn and I are going to be here, but we're going to look at the screen. There's a, a confession that's going to come up. I want us all to read it together for one time. I'll explain it, and then 
will confess to the Lord. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Start at Father, by the way. One, two, three. Father, teach us not to sin with such abandon. We do it all so easily. Pretend, lie, envy, lust, criticize, brood, ignore, deny, consume, hoard, deframe, distort, make excuses, and then expect an easy forgiveness for the asking. God, forgive us for our negligence of your holy character. Let us not misinterpret your patience with our sin as though it was permissiveness. Loving Father, astonish us with a wholesome godly fear which will not drive us to despair, but cause us to number our days and give us hearts of wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, I want you to go back to the last slide, and I want you to look at this. Look at, teach us not to sin with such abandon. We do it so easily. Pretend, pause. How have you pretended this week or this month? How have you pretended? You wouldn't call it a lie, but you pretended. It wasn't for the glory of God. It wasn't for the joy of others. You pre- Lie. How have you lied recently? Within the last month. Envy. Lust. Criticize. Even during this sermon. Is that just the condition of your heart? Brood. Ignore. Who have you ignored that desperately needed you to serve them like Christ? Deny. Consume. Hoard. That should be defame. That's not deframe. It's actually defame. Did you speak ill of someone? Did you just with a passing look or raised eyebrow destroy somebody's character. Somebody come up to you and said, man, isn't that person great? And you went, mm-hmm. And with that, you, you cut that person's character. It's defame. Distort. Make excuses. And expect easy forgiveness for the asking. There was no easy forgiveness. What Christ did was really hard. He died for your sins. 